Hi, this is Divya Sharma. Welcome to my podcast, Articulate. Today, I am so excited to be sharing this conversation with you with this super interesting Ravista Mehra. Ravista is a bilingual storyteller and visual communicator from New Delhi. She did her BFA in graphic design and comparative literature and creative writing from the Rhode Island School of Design in Boston. As a designer, her practice lies in the interdisciplinary fields of graphic design, photography, filmmaking, writing and research. According to her, design is one of the lenses that allows for clarifications in a world that is built around misconceptions. She tells complex multilingual stories of individuals in the hope that these small stories will tell larger tales of nations whose voices have not been heard in the past due to the hegemonies of the West. Currently, she is focused on looking at design through the lens of decolonization, which in its essence means giving voice and visibility to minorities from around the world. She has started a design collective called Active and Concerned Citizen last year, whose focus is to help clear misconceptions of Indians living in India to the wider world. It is a collaborative effort with other Indian artists and designers. Though her speciality has been in publication design, she has recently diversified into, into film and sound. Ravista has just completed her Master's in Visual Communication from the Royal College of Art, London. I saw her work online on the degree show and I was so excited and immediately got in touch with her for the podcast. And uh, here she is. So I present to you Ravista Mehra. Hi Ravista, thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on my podcast. I am so honored and thrilled and excited. Really loved your show and your work on the degree show. Congratulations. Hi Divya, thank you so much for having me. I'm so humbled um, and I'm so glad that you liked and resonated with my work. And you know, that really is the hope for most of everything that I do. Oh yeah, um, I mean, it seems so effortless and it's something that I would like to be and in spite of my advanced years, I have not yet reached that level. So <laughs> that's great. Amazing. So uh, let's um, start off and I want to immediately go into your, um, before going into your you know, childhood and upbringing and your um, uh, Delhi um, life. Why did you decide to study in RISD and how was your experience and what were the highlights? So actually, um, I never considered studying art or design in higher education. I was always going to study economics and I was going to be an investment banker someday uh, because I come from a very conservative business family and, you know, I love studying economics and uh, the economics and art were two of my main subjects. And uh, but I was always inclined towards the arts um you know from a young age my mom used to take me to all the museums and i have been doing kathak since i was which is a uh, form of indian classical yes, dance since that. i was like four five so it's been like 20 years um and uh, i love the fine arts i love painting till today it's one of my um go-to's for you know if i'm if i need a cathartic release i will always turn to you know other arts mm. um and i did a summer school actually at RISD in 2012 where i majored in painting um and it was the most intensive six weeks of my life and mm -hmm. i swore that day that i would never come back to RISD because it was too hard for me oh, okay. um and then i went back to school and i did i finished my ib and i did um art at a high level and i just you know just applied to RISD because i was like let me try you know if just to you know 
uh, take a shot and then i got in and i was like uh, i have to go and my mom was like you know you you, you must follow your passion um and so was, was really this in fine art or in the course that you did in rishti sorry was this in fine art or was was it the course that you no so i i majored in graphic design um mm-hmm. and comparative literature however when i went for summer school i did painting right, for right. six weeks yeah uh because i didn't actually know that much about you know the art world and you know what all you can study growing up in you know um delhi when i was young like it was mostly just the fine arts that you know you considered as art um so i didn't know but then when i went to rishti i saw there was so many different things like industrial design photography print making and all of that and it really opened my eyes and you know i think till date rishti has been the best decision that i ever made Amazing. um hands down it was the best experience of my life um everything about it the people that i met the professors that i had i i you know i got really lucky um the first year was really really hard which is something that is deprides itself on you know yeah. um is it like a foundation we, where it kind of keeps puts everybody yeah. in the same page yeah. kind of thing mm. yeah so they sort of take from the bauhaus style and um they have design drawing and uh yeah 3d spatial dynamics which i'm really bad at i'm really bad at three dimensional stuff mm. um i'm a very print or video type of person uh but it was a great learning skill because um i think over my four years i was never taught you know how to ever use photoshop or illustrator or any technology i was always taught how to think and how to solve a problem and that is something that helps me on a daily basis in my life you know i look at anything as a design problem mm. um even today uh and you know i i feel like when i when i look back i feel like rizdi made me a designer uh and rca made me a practitioner you know so they were both really important and of course <laughs> looking at rizdi from a decolonial perspective there are you know some gaps in the education and learning but now they're getting some good faculty in graphic design you know that are keeping up because i got really lucky i had a professor uh hamid um and he was the biggest support to me as a as a person as a designer you know um he was so considerate about all his students mm. and uh, he really you know nurtured me into thinking beyond the box and doing things that i never would have done and you know he and i i am i'm a sort of person i need to be pushed like i like to do hard work i think that's an indian in me you know yeah. used to do it yeah you don't <laughs> feel work. like you're doing much unless you're like workaholic yourself yeah. or something yeah yeah you feel like you're not reaching your potential which sometimes can be a problem but i enjoy it um and you know i was studying literature as well when i was there which was great because we had to take liberal arts classes mm. and i never studied history in school because i never wanted to write long papers and i have very bad memory um but when i studied it in college it was very very fascinating and i think that's where my relationship with history started mm-hmm. um i hadn't really started questioning it because i didn't know much about it but i was starting to learn and all the literature that i read i usually like reading like historical fiction or historical non fiction so it all of it when i look back now it it informs my practice because major part of what i do now is questioning that very history exactly. questioning yeah. the things that i was taught in my undergrad but i was lucky enough to be taught to question which is 
something very important i think like i mean um, the work that i see on your website which is um, which you said was mostly from rishi it's more about question like you said questioning and um uh, talking about um given that is given to us in society in society and then kind of flipping it sideways and looking at it in a different through different eyes and so what has that got to do with design i mean you would have been asked to you know find solutions for making products or designing stuff but what about what you what finally came out of that course is very different from uh what is on the you know um blurb about what is the has to teach in that course um i feel like the first one and a half years of graphic design is very structured mm. in sense of you know you learn typography you learn um everything that western design has to offer um you will study history of graphic design you study history of art in terms of the west and everything um but when i got to my third year uh we used to have this class called um design design studio mm. where you never had to design a certain thing we were never told that you have to design a poster or you have to design a film or we were just given a problem mm. and we had to solve it however we like to solve it so i think by my third year i had found my way back to my interest in you know the social political things happening in india because even in my ib thesis collection i had done all of it on complex subjects like rape and you know um political you can touch anything about india and you can do like a complete thesis on it <laughs> like literally i think i had explored uh, feminism and rape it's been so many years i honestly don't remember but it was um, my work has always been a reflection of me uh, which i think you know artists are guilty of um i i used to feature a lot in my work my practice at risd was half the time spent at looking at myself and half the time spent at looking at the world and i found that as an interesting exercise because i had to keep checking who i was because that would define my relationship with the world um so i write a lot uh, i used to write a lot as well even in high school i used to write um but it was somewhere in my third year to answer your question that i found my way back to my interest you know uh, because first i was just busy learning um everything that we you know were being taught yeah. and most of our assignments were you know basic uh, do a resume or whatever you know make a logo or stuff like that but that, that never interested me to me graphic design was never in design or you know photoshop or technology yeah. unfortunately yeah. i don't have the best relationship with technology to me it was more about communication and i think it comes from coming from a country that has so many languages and i grew up in and around so many languages um you know i was taught french and spanish in school i used to of course i'm bilingual in hindi and english and then the didi that raised me was marathi one of them was bengali so and the fact that they could all communicate and you know and tell their own stories um to each other is something that i always found fascinating um and how people from different cultures would interact because i went to the british school and i grew up around a lot of international students Right. um a lot of people that spoke many different languages so to me it was very normal to be amongst you know different, different people. people and i 
I enjoy it. I, I, I think of that as a celebration. It was only when I went to America that I realized that different meant being bad, which was very unfortunate. Um, it was like when Trump got elected president, I feel like I saw color, which is a very, I feel like, ignorant thing to say, but because as a child, I was never taught that this is black, this is white, and this is, you know, brown. Exactly. It was very strange to me. People are just people, you know, and it's a naive view to have. But then I went to America and people would always be like, from, you know, from the beginning, like, oh, how do you speak English so well? Or, you know, you don't look Indian, you know, you're so pretty, or you aren't brown enough, or you're not dark enough. And I always found that very weird uh, because... It was very strange to me that I knew everything about America, but America knew nothing about me mm. or my country. Like somebody once asked me, where is India on the map? And I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, like, do you go to school on elephant? elephant like, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> you know, like, do all Indians live in slums? So my relationship with the West and, you know, the, all the work that I do now, it, it started in like 2014 because all, as I said, all my work comes from my personal experience and... It, it would just build up. At first, I thought it was just like, you know, um, a few people that maybe didn't know anything about India. But the more I interacted with people, the more I realized that they really didn't know anything about our, anyone outside America. Yeah. Um, and when Trump got elected president, I was in my, I was a part of my student body government. And we sort of sent out an email to the student body being like, you know, we're really sorry because there's so many people. So there's a lot of diversity, um, you know, in terms of ethnicity and uh, everything over there. Um, and we really, and Grizzly really prided itself on that. And, you know, mm. even in my friend circle, like... They're really an, an island in the whole of the country. I mean, it's such a small uh, yeah. community which me, thinks differently. Yeah. I don't need a why should I get a passport because we have the beach we have the mountains we have the city we have the countryside I was like I have nothing to say to you like if that's your level of ignorance towards the world then that's great mm. um once I made in my senior year I think one of my last projects at RISD I made a video called curry is not a type of food sincerely Indians yeah and it's a video um and I'm talking about it's so oh, cool, I tell you. I, I wanted to come to that later, all your works. <laughs> but I loved it, the fact that, you know, it's shocking that people still have these, like you say, misconceptions about... Yeah. I mean, I would think, like, America is full of Indians, thanks to the computer industry and IT and everything, but it's still yeah. ignorant, I suppose. Yeah. No, I, it's a lack of interest in the other person. Now, what I learned in America, the way you grew up in India is very collective, it's very family-oriented, you know you have certain um, traditions. But when you go to America, it's all very, and I don't want to throw a blanket statement because I know, you know, you, sh you can't. But what I found generally was it was very individualistic. Yeah. And they were more interested in themselves, their, you know, their history, which is like 200 years old, uh, versus, you know, 200,000 year old history. Um, so it and, was very, I mean, and even their I history like is quite checkered. Even their history is quite checkered because they don't want to, talk about the yeah there, I mean, we can get into that yeah, <laughs> yeah so I mean, we probably will because my work now you know it, it sort of questions this these missing narratives um and who has a right to write history mm. um and how 
is that going to change or how does that need to change desperately yeah, yeah, yeah. so we'll talk right about now. that in detail so coming back yeah. to uh, delhi and your beginnings uh, how um tell me what made you um i know that you said you wanted to study economics and that you come from a business family but um what made you finally uh, go why you why did you take art and economics firstly i'm sure there was something there that you recognized in yourself and and you also said that you lived in a joint family which i find really fascinating because for me even in in, in nowadays in india people hardly live it's all quite nuclear and everybody's becoming so individual focused and so i find that really um admirable that you flourished in a joint family so could you say a bit more about your childhood your upbringing and your influences sure uh so yes i grew up in a joint family my mom's younger sister is my to my dad's younger brother mm-hmm. um so we grew up in a very close knit family and i have a younger brother and i have two cousin sisters and we live with our grandparents um you know so for me i had two sets of parents which means i had the best of four worlds instead of the best of two worlds yeah. and uh, you know there were they were all great influences in all parts of our life and the way that we were raised was that we had to um, you know we were all rounded people we didn't have to just focus on studies or just on sports we had to do a bit of everything and you know as child sometimes was irritating and you had you wanted to run away from you know always doing something but uh, when i look back it was you know very important to have you know put my hands in all those bowls because if nothing it taught me what i didn't want to do or it taught me how to deal with something that is new and you know in life i feel now it's really you know with being having corona thrown at you like randomly it's really important for those life lessons you know that were built as kids yeah um to follow some sort of structure to compromise you know in a joint family there's a lot of compromise yeah um and that's very important even as a designer you have to learn to compromise with people you're working with you have learned to listen to the author the illustrator the publisher the printer everyone exactly. and um, those are just life lessons it just becomes a part of who you are it teaches you how to listen and that is a very rare quality in people these days i find hmm. um and so did you also um it also i guess enable you to find your voice amongst uh, because you were you had to literally find yourself um when you're alone or when you're just one of two in a nuclear nuclear family you have so much time to yourself you uh, you spend so much time with yourself with, with here you're constantly with company so i guess was it easier for you to um, understand yourself and know what your strengths are and um did you have to kind of um put more effort to stand out to so to speak um that's a very good question i have was the oldest and i am i am the oldest of all the siblings oh, I, so see. I have okay. um so you know there's a sense of responsibility that comes with that there's a sense of leadership that comes with that so um i've always been comfortable you know in taking decisions and making bold moves and you know because taking care of other people because that, i've been doing that since i was a kid but i didn't find my voice till i went to college mm. um i didn't know who i was till my second year of college you know um i had never spent any time on my own i did not know what privacy was um which is i guess <laughs> maybe the you know flip side of a joint family um 
and it was a very important lesson to learn i feel like because mm. after i discovered who i i was my voice and my design became stronger and it became who i was and uh, i say in a lot of places i'm unashamedly loud and i am who i am and if you don't like that there is a level to which i can compromise but more than that i won't because <laughs> uh, my work is a is a reflection of me and it's a part of me um i'm very lucky that i wake up and i do what i love every day you know mm. people are not that lucky so i feel very uh, blessed to love what i do and you know keep doing it then i think one of the reasons that i chose art was i asked myself a question i was like at 4 am when i have to work can i do math can i solve this problem or will i be happier doing design or art and I, the answer was very clear there was very no clear. way i was going to do math at 4 am <laughs> um I, i love math and it taught me a lot of good lessons i actually did high level math high level economics and high level art in ib mm. restorers but uh, again a good lesson to learn mm. um so yeah it, it took me a while to get used to being alone so i didn't know how mm. so did you leave um uh risdi and go for the royal college of art in the uk for a reason um what was the uh, intention behind that or was it the, in, the institution was it the country was it your experiences in the us I actually did not know much about RCA before I applied there. My mom is actually a very important part of my life and she helps me, you know, uh find out about all these things. I'm I live in my own world. Um and she's very good with like and not everything. So basically, I did a lot of internships over the four years that mm. I was at RISD and I worked at Vogue, I worked at Vogue India under the creative art director. I worked at an online art gallery in New York as a, you know, that was a startup. I worked in a design company in Delhi, you know, that manufactures cards and stuff for the general public and I couldn't see myself in any of those places. I was not happy. Um and my work as I said brings me satisfaction, so it is 100% important for me to do something that's authentic to me and none of the jobs that I did and none of the jobs that I saw the vacancies for was something that I wanted to do and I knew that I was going to do something out of the box because I just tend to like things that are hard um for some reason uh i'd like to do things that most people have not heard of or don't want to do um and i didn't know what that was mm. um still i'm not 100% sure what that is right now but uh, i knew that i didn't fit into the commercial world then um so i decided to apply to masters just to you know try and i applied to yale um and i applied to rca mm. and i I think that I was going to get in and I really didn't want to go to Yale because I couldn't spend another 2 years of my life in a college town you know Providence is already small enough and I had spent 4 years and I after Trump became president like I really didn't want to stay there it was really uncomfortable um all the time to be conscious of your color or your skin or the way you're talking and you was know, it like I, that wow I, I was kind of done um so I got into RCA and I was really shocked uh and I, and i didn't think about it much honestly i was really busy with my thesis in my last year so i was like okay let's just go to rca um and then i came to rca and it was a whole other world from america like i got more of a cultural shock coming to london from new uh, from providence than i did from going from delhi to providence okay. i don't know how that happened um because i guess you know the way you're taught in america is like 
you're taught their history, you're taught their way of thinking, you're taught their way of designing. And when you come to England, then every all the references, all the thinking, all the history suddenly changes. And it's like, I don't understand. I feel like, you know, having studied graphic design for four years, I should have some knowledge. But when I came, I was very lost. And, you know, RCA prides itself on like leaving students be and yeah. find yourself. And this find yourself was very traumatic for me for like four <laughs> months because I'm the type of person who needs to keep doing things. And at that point, I wasn't as self-directed as I would like to be. So it was another, you know, revelation or, you know, uh, another phase in me, you know, finding my voice, I guess. And, yeah, you know, that's yeah. why Active and Concerned Citizen came out of. Um, Active and Concerned Citizen was the name of my thesis. It didn't have much to do with the work, but I... Um, I really like naming things for some reason. I'm a big fan of words and puns and just nerdy things like that. Um, I think that's very clever because from there, it makes half the work easier and then you can kind of um, work from the from that word. I do that too. And I think it's really genius. Actually. I love I yeah. love a good play of words. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And no, then, but living in the UK has its own set of um, yeah. how, how they, yeah, the kind of, inert racism is very different from the microaggression I would say not racism yes. com- compared to how it is in the US it's not as in your face but at the same time it's there yeah definitely nobody asked me how I speak English so well thankfully they know that England colonized you know <laughs> India so there's a reason that we all speak English uh, as a country um, but yes uh, so uh, one of the projects that I did my first year, I think, as soon as I came, I was I took this workshop. RCA has a cross RCA, so I did this workshop thing. I really like um, participating in and conducting workshops. I think it's a great way to interact with people yeah. um, and test out, you know, work that you're doing, theories, or you know, just have a good conversation, which I think is a very important part of design, uh, the design process, at least for me. Um, so we had this workshop in the VNA. And uh, you cannot enter the VNA and not suddenly be hit by British, the British colonial history, you know, like everything that is stolen. Um, if they return things to their countries, there would be nothing left in that museum, Yeah. which they probably should do. But anyways, um, so I was paired with this 50-ish year old white woman who was also part of RCA and um, Asian looking... I don't want to say looking, I don't know what to do. I, 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 th- I think she was from Thailand. Mm. Um, yeah. So another South, South Asian. And um, I was, we were in the architecture room and we had to sort of come up with a workshop. And I was like, you know, we should talk about uh, referencing or basically uh, giving credit to things and where they originally come from. Because if you say, you know, you're looking at um, Chinese architecture and, you know, the oriental patterns and stuff, that's yeah. not British, that's yeah. Chinese. So you need to give credit to the history that it comes from and, you know, yes, uh, reference that. So my the uh, 50-year-old white woman in the group, she didn't understand why. And I was like, I asked her, I was like, so if you draw this Chinese pattern, is it Chinese or is this British? She's like, it's British because I drew it. I was like, this is where colonialism comes from. It, it is not you. It, the, the pattern remains the pattern from the dynasty that it comes from. You It doesn't suddenly become yours just because you've taken it. Um, and it was a very interesting conversation. 
to have, and then she was having, I I can't remember who she was having this conversation with, but she didn't understand the subtlety of why you shouldn't ask somebody, where are you really from? Because I think that's what I was trying to get with the Asian looking. Yeah, sorry, I confused it. I was trying to explain to her, just because I look Asian doesn't mean that I have to be from an Asian part of the world. I can be from California. You know, you can't, and that's where I was born and bred, and that's where I'm from. Mm. Then she was like, I don't understand. I was like, I had this conversation with her for half an hour. I was like, she's like, but where are your roots from? I'm like, what difference does it make? If I'm saying I'm from California, I'm from California, whether I look Asian or I don't, or I look American, you know? And so it was like, and I made a workbook out of that. I was like, how to converse activity booklet for adults. Because you clearly need to learn how to talk to somebody else because you don't understand the subtleties. it was a very interesting experience because I, that's when I realized the difference in the racism that's in America because they literally, they don't know anything. Um, but the British, you know, they are also not taught they colonized histories, yeah. um, which is very problematic, which again ties into, you know, historical narratives and the fact that history is in dire need of a, you know, redo. Um, so. Yeah, it's, um, you're so right. I mean, I find that so um, amazing that somebody from the RCA, I think she was trying to be provocative. I don't think she would have really meant it that, oh, I don't see why. She would have just tried to, you know, extend the argument. I can't believe in this day and age. <laughs> so anyway. I know, I was shocked. I, I really was shocked. <laughs> so uh, I was going through your website and I like the way that you uh, divided your projects into personal, somewhere in between and political. And most of it is um, artist books and writing and fonts. So where does, how does your, what is your practice all about? And how does it, um, uh, where do you sit as an artist? I know that you use graphic design, you use text, you use ideas to bring them all together. But um, how do you want people who go through your website to see your work? It's a good observation that I mostly have books because I love books. They're my first love. And they're beautiful. Um, they're like so. I, it's like a, it's like an object. Obviously, it's like an art object. Although it's something that you can actually flip through and read. But uh, I I wish I could actually hold it in my hand and and so do you make like um, editions or is just one of them? I mean, sometimes I make editions. Sometimes I make just a single one um, because you know it's really expensive to produce because I don't. I, I just like to do things just the opposite of how they should be done and it's exhausting even to me at times. Uh, like I never use a size that is easily printable or bindable and paper that is easy. So I always have these like weird quirks that I have to work around. But they throw up very interesting challenges for me and you know, I, it's a learning process in itself. Um, so. And the script, where does that come from? Is it, like, is it like a stream of consciousness, the script, the writing that you do? Is it something that you keep um, editing as you go about or how do I you... I really believe in editing for mm. sure. Mm. Um, I think that my personal... I mean, I've been keeping a journal since I was like 10. So, you know, I, 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 I actually think better through writing than through designing or drawing. Um, I struggled very hard with drawing. Um, so I struggled, you know, in college to keep those drawing books that you know you had to for the first year and you know honestly i i write and i think Mm. or i walk and i think actually so (laughs) better equivalent these days um 
I do do a lot of you know stream of consciousness, but it depends what I'm writing. Like, like for example, a better reality or a wet reality, which is a young person's uh, <laughs> trying to find their you know <laughs> sexuality. It is amazing. I mean, you, I couldn't have said it better. And it's something that I probably would give it to the next generation. This is how you do it. Like, you know, it's <laughs> yeah, that was a very, you know, that was a project that I was, I, I read it a bunch of times. I think I read it three times uh, because the first time I designed it, my, the head of my department um, told me that it looked like soft porn and my personal tutor was very offended. No, it doesn't. The head of the department was uh, a female. Mm. Uh, and my male uh, tutor was very offended by the fact that she thought that my self-expression was a little bit pornographic. Um, so she thought, so she was like, design a version that you would show your parents. So when, so I'm guessing she thought that I would take the sex out of it, but I kind of, or the sexuality out of it, and I kind of just took the eye out of it. Because I was like, this is not an experience that just one person has. This is an experience that teenagers or, you know, young adults, collectively so go through in college you know yeah. when they're trying to find themselves so and she was shocked she was like no this is and i actually like that version a lot it's one of my favorite i loved it that I absolutely like, like hit the, hit the spot the <laughs> yes um so again so that is then that comes under my personal um work it's when i'm looking at myself so my writing for that is very different i took this class called lyri which was an embellished reality oh um, so what basically you had to write Lie. and it didn't have to be true okay so those a lot of those stories are very exaggerated you <laughs> know all of them didn't really happen um but uh but it, that's it, interesting it was a big writing exercise for me you know to think out of the box to think to imagine to imagine what reality could be and i've always been a fan of surrealism since i was a kid um you know love harry potter i believe in magic i still do um you know, and I guess, you know, Indian spirituality is no short of magic. Yeah, so, absolutely. No, it's no. interesting you say about um, uh, weaving uh, fiction into your stories, which is which are quite personal. I was talking to another author who's, she's uh, transgender, and she was talking about how um, uh, in history, transgender people have not been, you know, they're like completely invisible. So in her writing, she weaves real histories with, uh, fictional transgender people so you don't know where the reality ends and where the fiction starts so something like that which I think you would have yeah. done with your I writing. think that's a very powerful tool I think writing is a very very important part of at least my life and I think most people's life without realizing it because you know as a kid I used to read a lot I still read a lot and the way that you learn the world is through the things that you read or the things that you see you know there's only so much exposure you can get in one part of the world. Uh, you can't travel everywhere. However, you can read about histories or authors or characters from all parts of the world. So I grew up reading Enid Bright, uh, you know, ironically enough. And uh, I was obsessed with those characters and I wanted to live their life and I wanted to go to boarding school and all of that stuff. But the only thing that I, when I realized, like a couple of years ago, was like the only thing I know is about these English people and then in college when I was studying comparative literature I studied Russian literature, I studied German literature, I studied Italian literature I however never studied Indian literature or Thai literature or Chinese literature or Imagine. Japanese literature or literature from 
you know any part of africa like nigeria or uganda any place like i wouldn't know what the characters look like i wouldn't even know what their names would be yeah. because i had never read it and i considered myself you know well read person but i clearly am not because if my vocabulary of imag- my imagination is so limited to blue eyes and white skin and blonde hair then clearly i'm not writing my characters properly um <laughs> which is you know when you write about yourself as well you try to portray yourself through the writers that you've seen you know as a child when you're writing you mimic other people's writing techniques and if you all you read is rudyard kipling and you know and in brighton then it gets problematic because you try to describe yourself in a language you don't fit in yeah and you don't look like the the characters that you've read you about look like your life doesn't look like them your scenery is not gray you know it doesn't have mills and you know winding <laughs> roads and you know it just it's ironic uh, but it's a you know that's just But what I what is what struck me about your work was that you were able to see in read between the lines in life. I mean, you're able to see through the gaps of everyday life that I, I I probably I can relate to the things that you talk about, but I didn't see it like the in between stuff. And you've taken that and made an uh, a book out of it or a work out of it, which is um, which is great. Like the one where you talk about your Bangladeshi and. Um, Uh, Bengal, Maharashtrian, Maharashtrian uh, are they take caretakers in your house? Yeah. Oh, yes, it was yes. so touching. Oh my, and the pictures they were taking so much care, you know, of portraying them with so much sensitivity. I really loved it. Really loved it. And and that one about um, curry. Yeah, tell me about that video. It was so funny. <laughs> the one about Indian food is not only curry, which is so relatable. because when i'm trying to make food for um, english friends when they come in oh are we having curry tonight i'm like yeah my version the actual version of curry because i don't know what curry means <laughs> i don't know what right this is blended up this one this is where i did a deep dive search on what because even i don't know what curry is for me it's like you know there's curry patta there is lick curry curry you know there's a punjabi dish called curry there's a gujarati dish called curry also you know, <laughs> they all prepared differently there is no overarching umbrella you know when people are like let's we're going to eat uh, going to curry restaurant today which means we're going to an indian restaurant tonight but there is thai curry there's chinese curry so i don't understand how curry means indian you know it was yeah. very fascinating to me where these misconceptions come from and you know these stereotypes originate from I and you know no, i'm sure i other british know it now considering that everybody so well traveled and because of the internet but they will insist on calling it curry because that's what indian food means it's curry it's it's like a different name for indian food <laughs> i it was i think that was the tipping point i was actually i was in my room uh, so i lived with roommates of course and um, my american roommate was on a date with this french guy and he was something else he i think he tipped me off so badly that i think two days later i made this video um it was basically he was like uh he was saying a lot of racial stuff against um african americans and it was very problematic you know just hearing it was very uncomfortable and while he was leaving my apartment he i was making pasta and he's like oh are you going to make this spicy i was like why mm. would you know why would you assume that just because i'm indian and he said a lot of other things like oh shouldn't you be married by now like you're 21 like don't indians just indian women have to get married by 18 i was like i don't know what india you have been hearing about but no i mean clearly i'm here 
um and he's like oh your accent like you know when you first spoke i didn't understand your accent like i, I was trying to figure out where you were from i was like okay thanks for you know you uh, should profiling me so anyway so when he was walking out he's like are you going to make this spicy like curry and i was like no uh you know uh, i'm not going to make it spicy he's like oh i was like but you know just because i like spices you know doesn't mean that all indians have to like spice and he's like oh no but all indian food is so spicy i was like just because all french food is bland it's not my fault you know i really lost it at that point <laughs> and he's like why are you getting mad at me the british colonized india not the french and i was like get out of my apartment <laughs> like how could you even say that to somebody um Gosh. you know that was a, a very interesting encounter so after that that really tipped me off but it was building for four years you know like mm. just being so misunderstood and having to explain myself to so many people um was getting problematic wow i mean i would i would think that this would have happened 20 years ago but not now and have you seen by the way the Ingl- indian matrimonial which is on N- on netflix no, i refuse to see them it completely like if people if this guy were to see that he would say see i told you this is what happens yeah. because it kind of yeah. completely corroborates what people think about indian <laughs> marriages yeah in the video i talk about how like uh, i haven't seen it in a while but i remember talking about like slumdog millionaire oh yeah so that's another one person made by a white person you know um jungle book written by a white person made by Walt Disney like you know they, those are and those are the most marketed ones so that those are the narratives that people know which is the problem um which is you know a, a big part of broken english or where broken english came from because that was also in the pipeline for a very long time yeah um it's because you cannot fight ignorance with anything other than education in mm. my opinion mm. uh and education doesn't have to be academic um you know uh, lived experience is as important as uh, quote unquote academic thinking or writing or theory or whatever um and when we provide people with more narratives more stories i feel like we give them and we mar- I, i don't like using the term marketing with this because it has such a consumer driven you know uh, end to it but marketing for the lack of a better word of those narratives is so important because people need to understand that there is more than one story of india like well, especially india because this 1.6 how many 4 billion people in the country yeah and we have north west east south like we have we don't know enough about each other how will the world know enough about us and you know it's something that i've come to thinking about recently is that after working in decolonization which is a lot of like outward looking and what are the structures that we can dismantle and how can we deal with the west or you know people other people but honestly i feel like we're missing a very big step and it's something that comes out of like spiritual thinking is that we have to first look at ourselves mm. we have to first love and respect ourselves we have to love and respect ourselves as a individual as a collective as a country and you know as a subcontinent and you know going bigger so that people can love and respect us like if one american gets run over by a car every news channel will cover it 200 people on easter i think it was uh in sri lanka where yeah. it was there was a bomb in the church and the news covered it for under 5 minutes and that's true it's unacceptable yeah it's unacceptable that some human tragedies have to matter more mm-hmm. you know it's those 200 people are as important yeah It, the color of the skin 
does not matter for you know it just i don't understand <laughs> i i no matter how much academic reading or lived experience i can have i cannot understand why skin color why having a particular skin color would mean that you're better than somebody else um You know, it's, it's, it's all about the power structures and it's all about readership and and it's all about um uh, continuing with old money old uh, systems and yeah, i guess it's more convenient for, for people to continue with it rather than to break it and build new ones so that's our responsibility i guess with your generation our generation to uh, do what you're doing so so like when you I say mean, about talking one thing in, in that point is like i was reading about i'm reading post colonial theory by lila gandhi right now and you know there's a chapter on western humanism mm. and while the power structures and you know the financial side of it is really important i also think the education side of it is really important yeah because we're turning out the same individual in all parts of the world you know when we're making english first language for example um we're turning out a certain type of thinking where you know where math matters more than art you know this is not anything to do with race but even just thinking um we're saying that one on there is only one answer to a problem yeah where i think something that design education or design thinking for me gives me is that there is more than one answer and yeah. for a country like india you know where there's so much mob mentality with politics and politicians you know take good use of it and you know of course they would because people are swayed so easily if you can teach that individual as a child to think differently to think that there can be other solutions to think that the information i'm receiving maybe is not correct yeah then maybe we can somehow start to dismantle this mob mentality because it is such a big problem yeah. in my personal opinion mm-hmm. um for the country as it stands right now because it doesn't matter how educated the youth is there is still, still mob mentality in that as well you know and i think the ceo protests and all yeah i think that the uh, social media it's kind of a new kind of uh, mob mentality uh, thinking is happening people finding their own kind of tribe and becoming more empowered in their you know in their flawed ways of thinking because through social media you can find your own kind of people like what happened with trump and uh, like people say oh the economy is doing so well the stock market is amazing so i don't mind if culturally the the country is going down as long as you know economically the stock market is improving it's not the only thing isn't it money economic economy is not everything it has to be a well rounded thing yeah which is something that you know with western capitalism it's not really been probably that's the word then. yeah so um talking about um dismantling power structure through your own way i think you've done an amazing job by using satire comedy and uh, being funny but at the same time being quite like cutting with your observations so have you found it kind of um effective in getting through to people have you had kind of reactions which were um negative or have you had like um Uh, interesting conversations with people with your work for example yeah i have um i think the whip show was really a place that it was i think a time when i really challenged what i could put out there and what the audience could digest because you know theoretical work is fine but i you know 
maybe this comes from again my childhood i like to find some solutions that can happen in real life you know because even as a child you're taught okay like if art is just you know theoretical then it doesn't matter which is not the right thinking of course but that's something that i was you know brought up with mm. um everything should have a base in real life so to me it's very important that my work is placed in the current scenario right now absolutely like as, it doesn't have to face 10000 people even if it faces 10 people i think that's a, that's a main part of my work for me so i put up i made a <laughs> poster series called god save the maharaja mm. is a flip on god save the queen um and uh, i wrote some bold statements where i flipped the historical narrative of colonization and i said that you know the great india apologizes for having colonized britain and um <laughs> Indians apologize for calling British people savages, and uh, I think that was so just so amazing. My God, I, I have a feeling it went viral, and I must have you know uh, forwarded this in my WhatsApp. Let me find it and look if it's the same one that you've done. <laughs> so, <laughs> what was the reaction? Not about that, but uh, yeah, I got a lot of people standing around my posters, um, a little confused. Uh, not that many offended um luckily um and all of them curious to ask me what i was doing which was the point for me it was to have this conversation because i do believe that having like conversation as a tool of design is very important um so it was and it, this is something that i researched in my dissertation um i was looking at human tragedies and which tragedy matters more and why through the lens of advertising mainly um and infographics mm-hmm. um so i saw that there's a difference between empathy and sympathy and when we're just sympathizing with somebody we cannot understand where they're coming from because we cannot walk in their shoes but if we are empathizing why people of color even though i have nothing in common with a thai person or with a chinese person or with a african american person or a nigerian i have more in common with them than i will have in common with my british or american counterpart just because i cannot understand any of their histories of course not but to an extent i can empathize with them i can empathize with the way that they're racially profiled with the way that they underestimated you know how they struggle how they have a certain level of inferiority complex you know um and all of those things is something that makes us similar um but and when you look at history as well like it's this is something that i struggle with is how do you actually change someone's perspective mm. for something that they that they cannot see you know if you have not seen colonization happen to you how would you how can you make other person see so we used to do this writing um Uh, activity in high school it was called i think the third person writing or em- empathy writing where mm-hmm. you have to write as that person somebody right. you can't be wow. so when you put yourself in the first person suddenly it makes you feel like 1 or 2% more inclined to understand so the second that i flipped the historical narrative and i put the british people down not down but you know um in place of the indians and i said oh the great india apologizes for colonizing britain no one can think of colonizing britain because britain was one of the main colonizers that's a shocking statement to them to the, for for them to think that oh my god somebody could colonize us as well it's just that feeling for even that one second is empathy 
or is getting closer to empathy and that is getting closer to them understanding the extent of the damage or you know the cruelty or anything that comes out of that history and being called a savage as a british person is mm. something that never happens it's not you know it's that term is not made for them so it's yeah. never been used with them yeah so it's shocking more than anything it shocks you um and this is something that i've been playing around with for like two years is how to stalk people but in a in a pleasant way not not to hurt them because i i really believe if you uh, offend somebody and it's really easy to offend people um if you offend them they will not have a conversation with you yeah and something i also you know it's i don't know how correct or incorrect it is to say but i would say it anyways we're all racists you know in the term of we all have racial prejudices because of the way that we were brought up and it is okay it is okay to have racial prejudices you know prejudices it is not okay to harm somebody emotionally physically mentally but before we can dismantle the racial prejudices we have we have to acknowledge that we have them yeah. and a big trend right now is pretending to be woke you know acting is worse than you know not acting <laughs> because if you're not acting you're just acknowledging that this is your problem and you want to say that problem that's great good for you you know i'm not going to spend my emotional energy on you however if you are not acknowledging the fact that you know i do have these racial prejudices as indians we have so many of them you know as a light you know you your grandmother tells you you know you should put bleach so you look lighter so you you know you know don't get dark or because for some reason there is pro- problem in being dark you know fair and lovely and you know they make fun of asian looking people from nepal it's it's something that's not spoken of yeah because we want to pretend to be woke but we're not we cannot all be perfect it, it doesn't exist so i for me at least and i feel really uncomfortable saying it but it's a fact i have racial prejudices which are really hard for me to dismantle but because i know or i have been trying to actively do it for 2 years i see myself when i'm making a judgment and i try to catch myself and undo it and that's, that's the thing to keep an open mind very yeah. important yeah going forward you know like even in my family i tell them you cannot say that you know become lighter even if it's that you know that smaller thing because you're then you're you know you're <laughs> alluding to a history that you are not aware of you're not aware of where these prejudices come from yeah so we shouldn't pass it down you know we need to undo them but to undo something you have to acknowledge that is that it exists yeah. which again is if you look at it is okay maybe decolonization um but this the definition of decolonization was changed from context to context like you said in america there is a whole other level of you know that needs to happen because of their history with slavery in england the level of decolonization is different the context is different because they have complicated histories with a lot of countries you know but in india decolonization hasn't begun because we have we never accepted we were colonized only you know that is what i wanted to say now with active concerned citizen you're trying to change misconceptions with the outside world about indians how the hell do you do that with indians ourselves i think that's the way that's the challenge where you are going to face that is the challenge oh my god um, with what's happening i have not begun that that process or that project because i'm i'm doing it to myself right now as i said you know i'm acknowledging that i have certain 
biases i am trying my level best to catch myself in judgment because we are a product of our upbringing and that doesn't mean family that means school that means the city the country your exposure to the world outside and we are conditioned that way so yeah. to break that condition is really hard um which is why i think shock therapy sometimes is a good use which is why i try to use that in my work because you need to be shocked sometimes because mm. you know everything because there's so much visual noise around us that at least i forget the things unless something shocks me i won't remember it mm, that's true so i'm i'm designing thinking i don't know how advisable this is but thinking that if i was the audience how would i get my attention which yes. is you know or if my family was the audience or if my high school friends because there's a very different groups now again audience you cannot design for everyone so when i was trying to think of the audience for active and concerned citizen i was struggling really hard because eventually i do want to take it back to india and work with the prejudices that exist there because wow that's a life long work project <laughs> but i thought that because it's a little easier to do it here because yeah. you know it's so overtly happening and there is one percent level of conversation that's going on yeah. it's easier to take a try at it here you know it's ironic that it would be easier to work on decolonization in england than it is in india right. it really is ironic um but, but like you said maybe you um know. satire might might or might not work in india then they might get really offended <laughs> but but because you're yeah. young you might get away with it um honestly i've been following political cartoonists and stand up comedians and i think that they are doing an amazing job mm. of getting through to people and um you know i, I think it's a form of colonization which is happening again in india within india by a certain community or anyway that's a different matter altogether so what about broken english is that something that um is part of the i know it's part of active concerned citizen and it's about decolonizing and it's about um re- reviving um languages which were overridden by english or um, dutch or any of the or spanish for that matter so what was that all about and um have you done workshops and how was the feedback so broken english i feel like um conceptually has been in the pipeline for a while because you know i even when i was studying history i was always curious to know about the eastern part of the world which is something i never studied i was actually never taught indian history in school um i did not know barely anything about the indian chinese relations i knew a lot about the indian pakistani ones because you know so media covers it a lot yeah um and the more i started working i guess the more i started I didn't even know where it started. It, yeah, it was basically when I was studying history and I just it was just all too similar to be correct. Mm. There was not enough differentiation and there was no mention of the eastern part of the world which became increasingly problematic to me because I was like well history wasn't happening at one place at one time, you know, like there was more than one thing happening so why is there no documentation of that? Right. Or if there is documentation of that, where is that documentation and why am I not being told about it 
this is at an underground level. Um, then I came to RCA and I started working with, then I started researching on my own, I guess. So my dissertation was a really important part of my journey at RCA. Um, and then... <laughs> and then there's something called broken plates. So... Yeah. So basically... Um, when I finished my dissertation, I was in a much better place in terms of what I wanted to do. And uh, actually, the first time I ever heard the term decolonization was um, on a poster in White City RCA, which is ironic because it was called Decolonizing the Institution. Mm, yeah. And it was in Huckle, it was, it's in that building across from yeah. White, uh, the White City place. And I, I went to it because the only definition that existed was the removing of armed forces from countries and mm. I was like this doesn't add up clearly mm. uh, because they don't want institution so I went and uh, it was I think a very <laughs> crucial point in my journey to get to decolonizing or that subject or that area because it was a panel of four people where three people were white and one person was of color seriously um, and uh, the entire audience was multicultural, multi-ethnic, and it was very awkward to be sitting there being told what we probably feel or what we should feel or, you know, the extent of the damage that is done to us. Or that could be a lesson in decolonizing. You should have taken a video of that <laughs> and said, this is not what you should do. This is not what you should do. Yeah, it's recorded. <laughs> but anyway, I was surprised that at... Uh, you know, it's such a high level institution that prides, quote unquote, prides itself on its diversity, which it really is not diverse at all. Um, that a conversation like this could be happening, you know, that you're being spoken at instead of spoken to. Mm. And a couple of things came from that. Um, one was this uh, other project that I'm working on with Betty, Barkey and Roland, which are my classmates, um, batchmates from RCA. Uh, we were, it's called uh, the Tea Society mm-hmm. and we started workshops unfortunately only one happened because of Corona, corona yeah. and it was mine, it was called Consider Dictionary as Literature mm-hmm. so I was basically questioning all English words and especially words that are used in terms of decolonization so I redefined the word definition only for myself because I have a problem with it, I have a problem with a lot of definition of words so i was yeah. like instead of definition meaning that this is the meaning of a word i redefined it to be this is the suggestion of a meaning of a word right so which that means because english as a language is used is also a form of colonization you know because people in all parts of the eastern world use that and we all have our own spin on english and we all have our own way that we use it and it's very important that the language that we are using to talk about ourselves talks about us in a respectful manner mm. and not in a derogatory manner mm. um so it's really and anytime i write anything academic or personal i always really define things for myself i will always say to me decolonization means um accepting that the view of the colonizer uh is only one perspective and the view of the colonized is equally if not more important in telling the whole story right so i will define it for myself so you as a reader know what i'm talking about and i as a writer know that this is what i'm taking ownership of right so i'm trying to be as transparent as i can with my ideology you don't have to agree with it you don't have to like it but this is what i'm saying 
and that's important to me yeah and you know there's a, there's this quote that i read by tony morrison which i repeat very often these days it's called um the definitions belong to the definers not the defined mm. and we have been defined for too long yeah. by too many people other than ourselves and the only way to undo that is to talk about ourselves with as much respect and dignity and honesty as we want to and we can and that was one of the thinkings behind broken english because you know it's as i said going back to a spiritual way of looking at it you cannot ever change somebody else mm. it's not possible no matter how hard you try you can do your best mm. the only thing you can change or love or respect is yourself what are your plans um post uh, pandemic is there such a time and now that you finished rca what are your plans going to be like what do they look like so i'm going to continue to work on actually broken english i'm going to do a second call for submissions and you know i'm really hoping uh, to get some more amazing stories the first batch is absolutely amazing like you know i really got lucky that so many people wanted to participate were willing to share their stories with me and with the general public um stories about their um, uh uh identities ah i see so they speak in english or they speak in their mother tongue how does it work so basically you um i i didn't specify i said you are free to write in whichever language you are comfortable in writing in because it's something that i noticed at rca during um our dissertation was that the chinese students some, some of them were struggling really hard to write because english was not their first language mm-hmm. and you know it's really unfortunate that if you have such a diverse or an extent of diverse student population you should have an equally diverse teaching faculty that can grade you according to your strengths you know mm-hmm. it's it's bullshit that they have to be graded according to english, the same standards english of english yeah in their own first language so i thought that you know since this is a personal expression of your own identity and your cultural struggles um you should be able to articulate it in whatever language you prefer mm. uh, my story is personally in english because i'm better at it in english than in hindi but uh, i did get five different languages which is super exciting nice um and i found that when you first write in your own language and then you write the translation that story is way more authentic and um that the 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 title broken english sort of came from those um translations where i you know because i studied literature in school and college you know you they're very big strict law on grammar and your grammar has to be correct and i hate that um half my spellings are american and half my spellings are english oh, yeah and i i don't want to change them because i'm like i'm sorry it's too much work for me and if you understand what i am saying that's more than enough and that was also my thinking behind editing i never changed anybody's grammar i didn't put in a comma where i needed to at all um as long as i could understand as long as it was cohesive enough for me to understand i was like this is fine right um because the audience needs to get more comfortable with being uncomfortable mm-hmm. uh it's a uh, you know people of color have been uncomfortable for a really long time and uh, it's okay not to see english in 16 point and see it in 8 point Uh, it's okay to see letters that you don't understand um it's okay to make an effort honestly fantastic uh, in my opinion so the stories um there was no such restriction so they were all beautiful and it sort of helped me 
even as a designer in the design chain to work with the the author at the last stage of designing because you know I can't read Mandarin and I can't design Mandarin you know I can't typeset it without the person who can read it next to me so it was a teamwork which was also amazing and it was such a great lesson for me to learn so was it only um, for the RCA students or even outside no so i sent it to rizvi i sent it to all my friends from school anybody i knew basically as far as i could get the word out um you know which is not far enough but it was a really good place to start um and i'm hoping that someday you know it, more and more people would like to participate and and i think you were asking about the broken plates so basically <laughs> when i was thinking about um broken english i was thinking about it visually and um i was thinking about the cup and saucer that you know english people drink that tea with this plate this that they call a saucer and i think it's quite extra and it reminds me of um americans also like to collect plates which have like historical narratives yeah. on them and it reminded me of tokenistic stories of how there is just one perception of a era or something like that you know and tokenism is something that we're also battling in today's day and age where we're saying that there's diversity but there is an actually because we're just trying to pick up one person on that looks you know that they're from different parts of the world and we're like okay great we're having a multi yeah, stick boxes yeah mm. so to um so the plate sort of I'm working with an illustrator from Risti her name is Paridhi she's absolutely fabulous um so we look at the stereotype that comes out because when i asked for the story i also ask for racial misconceptions that people have subjected you to and that's really important because and that's put on the first page Mm. of the book I mean of the story and uh, it's important that the audience reads that first and then reads the story to see how untrue those stereotypes are so it sort of goes back to that activist concerns citizen and curry is not a type of food you know it's to break those stereotypes is to have you you know show you a glimpse of what either you may think or other people may think and then show you what really is the truth um so those broken plates are sort of those broken tokenistic stories that we're trying to battle so will this be like a virtual thing or will it come out as a book or something or is it i had designed it as a book actually because i haven't designed a book in 2 years and you know since i love books so much i was like i'm going to do my final as a book and the way i designed it actually there were 26 stories and there were 26 books separately but also together so the way that they were going to be bound was that each person had their own book um but they also collectively came together and you as a reader could reorganize them more oh wow it was quite intricate <laughs> it's lovely mm. uh, but then corona happened and i couldn't produce it so then i had to make a blog however i am looking for a publisher who would like to publish the stories um i think they deserve to be in print uh, i think everybody is you know the the small seemingly insignificant stories are the very important ones that help dignify people and humanize them and give them a voice back because a massive part of colonization was to dehumanize someone to take their voice away yeah. to take their humanity away from them and so what i hope to do with broken english is to give that humanity back you know is to give voice in print you know the the history of uh, uh, um, eastern parts of the world is usually oral yeah but when you write something down there's for some reason there is more honor to that there is more legitimate next to that you know i mean thanks to trump uh, he's blown the cover on uh, fake news that print can also be fake you know mm. um, for some reason orals have always been considered as fake news but 
you know, still, I think seeing your story in print is a beautiful thing and you don't have to be a good writer, which is something a lot of people came back to me with. They're like, you know, we're not good writers, you know, my English is not good. And I was like, literally, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You can send it to me in bullet points. You can send me an oral recording if you want. And I will publish that. And I will actually publish some oral stories, which I do have, which I didn't for the show. I didn't have time. Um, because narrative in all form matter and we need to equally respect that. Um, and so that's one of the things I'm working on. And ironically enough, I decided, um, when I was in my first year at RISD, I decided that I would not work in advertising because it was, you know, ethically incorrect and it was against everything that I stood for. Uh, but last month, I th- two months ago, um, I decided that I was going to get into advertising, mm. not for commercial products, but to work with large NGOs like UNICEF um, UK, UNICEF India, World Vision to help them tell human narratives better because I am so exhausted of seeing the same tired narrative of a black and brown person crying on television, you know, to raise charity. Like, there is a better way to tell the story. There is a more human way to tell the story and it needs to be done. Um, My dissertation was basically looking at, you know, UNICEF UK's um, how they advertise humans and um, it was unacceptable. They spelt Mozambique wrong when they were raising charity for Mozambique. Like that level of negligence is unacceptable. Um, no, um, talking about broken English and um, narratives, I, I, I come from a Tamil background. I'm a Tamilian, but because I was brought up in Andhra Pradesh, I, don't le- I didn't learn how to write Tamil. I could only speak. So I got in touch with the Sri Lankan community who are also, some of them are Tamils, you know, Sri Lankans are Tamils and Sinhalese. They are so proud of their culture. They're an example of how they teach their children to be proud of their heritage and culture. And children speak perfect in Tamil. They speak the, they learn, you know, dance and music and everything. And now they're going to have a Tamil museum. And I'm part of their um, board. And it's so interesting. It's so interesting. It's like they're raising funds and they're so proud. They don't go to any of the white um, fundraising organizations. They're so self-sufficient. And uh, and I think maybe you can maybe come in. That's one of the meetings. absolutely amazing. Yeah, I would love to speak to them. <laughs> uh, I am looking for such people. You know, this yeah. is, that's amazing. That really, so hard to think that people are, you know, collectively walking on this path. Yeah, I mean, it's been such an inspiration and for somebody so young, you are so wise and you're so like far seeing and you're you're able to through x-ray vision, like laser vision, go through the, these, you know, um, the fog of ignorance, I feel. And uh, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for thinking of talking to me and, you know, taking out the time to hear me. No, no. I wish you all the best for your um, all your initiatives and uh, I'm going to follow your career and see <laughs> how far you're able to be successful in um, breaking these taboos. And Thank thanks you. a lot, Ravista. It was a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs>